When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time. And welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am not your host, Rachel Ann Harding. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you today. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. It was raining, and it was misty outside. That kind of mist that is sometimes called fog, stuff you cannot easily see through. Mo and I looked outside this morning and decided not to walk, at least not then. When I looked at my dog and asked Mo if we should go for a walk, turning from the window, she climbed off the couch and curled up in the beanbag and let out a big sigh. Fair enough, I thought. I stayed outside for a bit longer, shrugged and made some tea. As the kettle was boiling, I grabbed a couple of folk books off my bookshelf, one on Persian tales, the other on Irish tales, dropped them on the couch. I lit the fire and got it going as the tea steeped and had some toast and marmalade for breakfast. The house was dead quiet. Even the birds outside had harumphed the day off. Tea poured into a large mug. I made my way to the living room with my hands warming on the ceramic. I lowered myself into the wing-backed chair and set the mug down after a sip. Picking up the book of Irish tales, the covers opened up and there was a poem about a stolen child, a changeling. I had not got more than halfway through, and it was a short piece, I have to say, when there was this blooming great crash coming from the kitchen. I have the honour to once again introduce both Elisa Permain and Claire Murphy. The first teller is Elisa. You know about her from the last time. Compassionate, gentle and a really strong woman who is very much into using story to heal. She was one of the first people to get things organised in New England storytelling back in the very early 80s. If you want to hear about her and her story, my podcast conversation with storytellers will have her conversation coming up soon. I have a very sneaky feeling that you might like this story of hers. Here is a story from Africa. One scorching hot afternoon, Rabbit was on her way home when she saw a beautiful big mango tree with a lovely circle of shade under it. She stopped just outside of the shade and called out to the tree. Dear tree, may I please sit under your shade for a while? The tree said, Why, yes, thank you for asking. Oh, thank you, tree. Oh, that feels so good, so good. After a while in the shade, Rabbit felt a great itch growing on her back. And so she asked, Dear tree, would you mind terribly if I were to scratch my back on your fine bark? Why, go right ahead, dear Rabbit. Oh, thank you so kindly, tree. Well, the tree was so taken by Rabbit's consideration that it just shook with delight and a large mango fell at Rabbit's feet. Please enjoy this mango. Oh, thank you so much, tree. Oh, oh, that is so delicious. I've been so hungry and thirsty. Thank you so much. The tree was quiet for a moment, 
and then she spoke again. Rabbit, I am so moved by your thoughtful and respectful ways that I would like to show you my secret heart. I would love that. You just need to promise that you will not touch or take anything without my permission. Of course, dear Tria, I would be so honored. And right before Rabbit's eyes, a line appeared in the tree trunk and two doors opened outward before her. Rabbit hopped inside. She was in awe, for rather than being in a small space the size of a tree trunk, she saw a beautiful, great meadow spreading before her. And the meadow was filled with a glowing green light, and she could hear the sound of a heart beating in the distance. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Rabbit started hopping toward the sound of that pulsing heart. The meadow was so full of trees laden with the finest fruits, and and she wanted to reach out and touch them, but she remembered her promise, and she kept on. Boom, boom. Boom, boom, toward that sound, which was so moving. As she came closer to the heart, she saw that a beautiful stream wound through the meadow, and looking down, she saw that it was filled with gems and jewels of every color, and again she wanted to reach and touch them, but she remembered her promise. Boom, 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 boom. On she went, drawn to the sound of that heart, and there at the back of the meadow she found it a great, pulsing, heart-shaped stone that made her own heart just overflow with emotion. Oh, Tree, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing such beauty with me. I, I am I am so moved. Rabbit was positively shivering with joy. Oh, you are welcome, dear Rabbit. I am so moved by your emotion that I would like to give you a gift to remember me by. Please pick any gem that you choose from the river. Rabbit hopped to the river and found a simple gold ring that fit perfectly on her tail. As she hopped out the door, the tree called to her, Please promise not to tell anyone about my secret heart or where you got the ring. I promise, tree, thank you again so much. When Rabbit left the tree, the doors closed behind her. She remembered that her children were waiting for her at home, and she hopped quickly away. Neither the tree nor the rabbit knew that Hyena had been stalking Rabbit even before she went into the tree. And now that Hyena saw Rabbit hop out of the tree with a gold ring on her tail, his plans changed. (laughs) My turn, said Hyena excitedly, and he went and stood at the edge of the shade tree. Ah, dear tree, uh, may I sit under your shade, please? Yes, Hyena, you may. Oh, thanks, yeah, thanks, that's good. Uh, Now what? Uh, Oh, yeah, can I uh, scratch my back on on your bark? Yes, you may, hyena. Oh, ha, that feels good. (laughs) As hyena scratched his backside against the tree's bark. Jeez, what now? Um, uh, Oh, yeah, can I have a mango? A mango was dropped. Oh, jeez, that's good. Thanks, that's great. Okay, what have I done? I said, please, thank you. I scratched. I got the mango. Uh, okay, tree. Uh, could I see your secret heart? Could I? The tree was quiet for quite a while. Please, come on, come on. Let me see it. I promise I won't touch or take anything. 
Well, it was nice to share it with Rabbit. I, I guess so, but you must promise me, Hyena. Promise you will not touch or take anything. Yeah, I just said it. I promise. I will. Come on. Well, the doors in the tree opened again, and Hyena bound inside. But Hyena did not respect the tree's request, and immediately began to jump around the meadow, eating the fruits and gathering the gems up. The tree's heart began to beat. Boom, 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 more and more quickly, as the tree began to shudder at the hyena's violation of her wishes. And the light in the meadow began to fade. Boom, 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 and those secret doors began to close. But when Hyena saw that the light was fading and the doors were closing, he dropped the gems and he ran toward those doors with all of his might. At the last second, those doors opened wide and he was thrust out so violently that he was tossed halfway across the forest where he bumped his head and forgot all about the secret heart of the tree. The tree closed her doors tightly and sadly, She never shared her secret heart with anyone again. Spring is here. The grass is growing and you need a ride on mower. The best on the market today are built and exclusively provided by Three Witches, Inc. <laughs> the best broom-powered ride-on mowers from Never Neverland to the Enchanted Forest. Guaranteed to never break down, and if they do, Three Witches won't let your cauldron boil over. Oh, no. But we'll be right there to fix it or replace your tool. Tool? That's right. The Three Wishes Broomer is not just a mower. If your bushes need trimming, it comes with accessories. If you want your walkway whacked, we have you covered. Sweep away last season's leaves with the Dragon Blower, which hooks right onto the Toil No More XL Mower. The Spell Spreader will put an end to your overgrown bits of garden and break the curse of winter weeds. Payment plans are available for most models, including the Crone Dandelion Package. Visit the Well of Weird and get the mower blower right for your needs and be the king or queen of your garden. <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by my book, Under the Oaken Bough. Some people say it's quite good. There's 17 stories in it. And you can read them with or without funny voices. And it's available through Amazon or Parkhurst Brothers. Or, preferably, you can order it from your brick-and-mortar bookstore. Mo slept on. But I jumped up to see what it was. Now, I have to preface this with the fact that I am a very light walker. Without too much effort, I can walk up behind most people unnoticed. I'm not saying this is a good thing. It's just that my mum was always wondering when I would float up behind her and make a jump. As Mo and I were the only ones awake in the house, my son sleeps until about mid-afternoon on his days off, I walked as lightly as I could and peered around the kitchen door to see what had caused the commotion. I saw a flash of gold out of the corner of my eye, but when I looked to where it had come from... Whatever it was, was hiding behind the large blue flower jar. 
The jar moved slightly, almost imperceptibly. And steam came over the top of it after a small pop. I tried to move slowly and soundlessly across the floor, my bare feet feeling the cold of the stone tiles. I was not sure if I were breathing as I reached out for the jar. Another pop and puff of steam, but it smelled so bad. It was sulphur, the smell of rotten eggs. I tried not to make a noise, but I gagged and grabbed at the jar. I cannot stand that smell. I couldn't believe my eyes either. Wings rushed open and made me step back hurriedly as a, as a flame, a small one it turned out, blew sadly towards me. Mo, waking at all this noise, barked and came running in. A tiny dragon raised up on its back legs, tiny flame emitting at us both. It beat its leathery wings and took to the air. Have you ever tried to catch a bat? Well, catching a dragon the size of a small rat is way worse. I tried a fishing net and a butterfly net, but the dragon melted the nylon of those two nets. I tried a pillowcase, but it burnt through that too. I got an old green wool blanket from the car and caught the dragon in that. I was able to wrap the little creature up lightly and get it into an antique metal cooler. Mo and I left the house in the rain, loaded the wee beastie into the car and drove off to the woods. Mo was nervous of the noises coming from the cooler and barked in a very squeaky way. Not even a yip. Well, we got to the woods and with the dragon thumping and bumping in the cooler, we made our way deeper and deeper in amongst the trees. There is a place, a ridge, which from the other side looks like a stone wall but is in fact a rocky ledge and beneath this ledge is a cave. Mist had turned to water in my hair and ran down my neck when I opened the cooler to let out the dragon. I slowly and gently pulled the blanket off the creature whose claws talons were a little caught. I would like to say it seemed to know that I was trying to help it out, but no, not at all. It blew its small flame at my hands and face, and although it only took a moment, it seemed to take forever for me to free the beast and the hair on my head was mostly dry now, singed in places, and on returning home to bathe in aloe, I found most of my eyebrows gone. But before leaving that rocky place, however, I reached into my pockets and tossed the few coins I had found there into the cave after the dragon. I figured if I could start its treasure hoard, it might look more favourably at me if we ever bumped into each other ever again. The second teller for this episode is Claire Murphy. As I have said in the past, she is a powerhouse of a teller and has created an event called Mythoff with another storyteller. A highly sought-out performer, Claire sharing stories, real, mythological and historical, all over the world. Enjoy this tale of 12 months of the year. Hello, hello. Hello, Rachel Ann Harding. Hello, Story Story podcast listeners. I am excited and delighted to be invited to talk to you today and I don't even know where you are. I am I am standing in Bristol in England and you are maybe on a bus or sat at your desk or maybe you're lying in bed or maybe you're in the bath. I don't know where you listen to your stories but here we are all together thanks to Story Story Podcast. 
I've been looking for juicy, tasty stories to bring to you and I'm going to share some of the favourites that have been popping up in my mind lately. So here goes. Once, long, long ago, there was a poor, poor woman and she had many children and no husband. Her husband was long since dead and she struggled hard to make a living. They lived in a tiny house on the edge of town and every day the poor woman she would make her way into town because she'd gotten a job cleaning the house and preparing food for one of the wealthy women. Every day she would show up, scrubbed herself as clean as she could and she would go into the rich woman's house and there she would beat the carpets and clean the curtains and mind the children and bake the bread and at the end of the long day she would go home to her own children. She made just barely enough for the rent and very little else, so the cupboards in her house were always bare. So every day when she would bake the bread for the rich woman and her children, she would leave the dust of the flour on her hands. And when she would get home, she would take her hands and she would soak them in a bowl of water and then she would boil that water and she would make a kind of thin, porridgey gruel for them to eat. And every day when she would come home with the powder on her hands, her children would run towards her and they would grab onto her skirts and she would kiss them, but she would leave her hands free from touching her children until she had washed off that flower. Now one day, one of the rich woman's neighbours, she noticed the poor woman leaving the house and she saw the flower on her hands. And she looked in at the rich woman and her children. She saw how thin and ugly the rich woman's children were. And she called in the next day for a cup of tea and she said to the rich woman, who is that poor lady I saw leaving your house? Oh, her, she's just a cleaner. She does some cooking and some baking. She minds the children. Why, what of it? And the neighbour said, well, I think she's up to no good because every day she leaves your house and she has the flour that she bakes with on her hands and I think she's walking out with your children's luck on on her hands. And the rich woman, she took note of what her neighbour was saying and then the next day she watched as indeed the poor woman did not wash her hands after she had baked the bread. And she stopped her at the door and she said, you will wash your hands. You will take nothing from this house that is not yours. The poor woman was struck by this. How was she going to feed her children if she didn't have that little bit of flour on her hands? But she did as she was asked, not wanting to break the rules. And when she went home that night, the children ran towards her and they grabbed onto her and they kissed her. And this time, she hugged them back. And she did not dip her hands in the water and there was no gruel that night. And her children grew very hungry indeed. And after many days of this, and she came home one day and she saw the gaunt faces of her children. She realised she needed to do something. She searched the cupboards, there was nothing left. She looked into the hungry eyes of her children and she knew that this was it. That here they were on the edge of starvation and she herself, she would have to do something, anything. And it was dark and it was cold outside. But she thought to herself, I will go and I will find what I can find to bring home to my children. So she headed out. And she turned and she gave one last loving look of goodbye to her children and they watched her go. She didn't know if she'd ever see them again. She took a bag with her, hoping she would find nuts or fruit or something she could put in the bag. She walked into the forest. 
and soon the path was obscured by the darkness and the leaves and the branches. She walked as best as she could into the cold, into the dark, with the fear around her. And suddenly she saw a light. A light further into the forest, a light there amongst the trees. So she hurried towards it. And what it was was a great tent. And the light was emanating from, from the tent. So she made her way up to the flap of the tent and she peered inside. And what she saw was such a strange sight. There were twelve men sat around a fire. A great fire that was burning and seeping out great warmth. And there was a little hole in the top of the tent where the smoke was going out. And they turned and they saw her and they said, Auntie, Auntie. For that is how all were addressed in those days as Auntie and Uncle. Auntie, they said, come in, come in. Your timing is perfect. We are having a great debate and you're just the woman to answer our question for us. And so the poor woman, she stepped into the tent and as she did, the warmth enveloped her body. and She felt herself relax. And she said, I don't know if I can help. What is it you're debating? And the twelve men, they were all looking at each other and smiling and winking and nodding. And one of them turned to her and said, well, we were wondering, which is the best month of the year? And all the other men murmured in assent. And the woman, the poor woman, she looked around. And the three men closest to her, they were sat there. They were rosy cheeked and fresh blue eyes. And their shirts were buttoned down a little bit and their sleeves were rolled up. And they said, what do you think? Is it a... Is it the fine months of spring, March, April and May, that are the best months of the year? She looked at the three young men with the rosy cheeks and she said, Oh, March, April and May, these are indeed magnificent months. And the three young men smiled. She said, I love these months because everywhere there is the essence of possibility. The, the bulging leaves hiding there in their buds and the flowers just waiting to crack open, some of them even coming out in those months. Everywhere there's the smell of fresh life, being born, being made. It is a wonderful, wonderful time of year. The three young men smiled. The next three men in the circle, they looked over and they said, yes, but good lady, good lady, what about, what about the great months of summer? The poor woman, she looked at these men, they were... They were golden-skinned men. Their shirts were open right down to their navel. Their hair streaked blonde from the sun. And she said, oh, summer. Summer is a great season. June, July and August are fantastic months. And the three men beamed great smiles at her. She said, oh, I do love those months because... Now in those months you get the smell, the smell of the flowers everywhere, the buzzing of the bees, the chattering of the birds. My children are always warm in these months. They run freely out into the world. There is the sound of singing, of people happy, and no one looks as beautiful as they do under the summer sun. Indeed, these are great months. The three men, the golden-skinned men, were very happy with this answer. The next three men along, they looked slightly older. Their clothes were a little bit thicker and coarser, their hair speckled with grey, beards beginning to show on their faces, and they wore cloaks of amber and wine and green colours. And they said, well, what do you say of autumn? What do you say of September, October and November? 
Oh, said the woman, these are indeed great months. Autumn is a wonderful season. And the three men smiled. And she said, I love autumn because the air smells of the leaves, the leaves that are starting to rot in the ground. The sky is the colour of fire. And everywhere you can smell the, the wood that is burning. Autumn is a busy season. It's harvest time. And me and all of my neighbours, we have to work together to help each other to bring in crops on the farmers' farms. It is a time of bounty. My children can run through the forest. They can eat what they will of nuts and seeds and fruits. It is a great time of year. And the three men were deeply happy. And the last three men, the last three of the twelve, these men had white hair, they had beards, they were dressed in thick furs, and they said, and what would you say then of winter, December, January, February? Oh, she said, winter. Perhaps the greatest season of all. And all the men turned. She said, I love winter. I love winter perhaps most of all because us humans we would work until our dying day if it wasn't for winter because of the cold and the dark of those months we're forced inside we're forced to close our doors and light our fires we're forced to gather together and there in the humbling dark we tell stories and we sing songs and we sit in the warmth of each other's company and we eat what we've gathered from the harvest Without winter, I fear humans would never stop. So winter perhaps is the most beloved of all to me of the seasons. And the three men smiled deeply at her. Well, you have answered us, and you have answered us very well. And now a gift. And she said, oh, but there's no need, there's no need. It was just talk. And they said, it was well-earned talk. Now what can we get for you? And she said, oh, nothing, nothing for me, but my children are very hungry. Our cupboards are very bare and I have nothing extra to give them. And the men, they saw the hunger on her and they heard the need in her words and one of them reached and handed her a bag and they said, be careful now that you don't open this on your way home. Get all the way home and make sure you close the door, gather your children around you and open this bag. And she looked at the twelve men and she said, you are too kind. And they smiled their smiles at her and she left. She ran home with the bag clutched to her chest when she got home the children flung open the door and they grabbed onto their mother and they hugged her skirts and she kissed their faces close the door children she said and they gathered together in their little house and she told them the story of what had happened and when she was done they all looked at the bag she opened up the bag and out jumped a roast chicken followed by roast potatoes, caramelised carrots, gravy, stuffing. The children couldn't believe it. The woman couldn't believe it. They ate and they ate until they felt sick with the fullness. And when they got up the next day, they opened the bag again and out jumped eggs and bacon and toast and pancakes. And every day at every meal, they opened the bag and they were fed and full and happy with it. And the rich woman noticed. She noticed how good the poor woman's children looked. And one day she asked her, are you stealing flour from the house? And the poor woman said, oh no. And she said, well what is it then? How do you have so much extra? And the poor woman, thinking nothing of it, told the story to the rich woman. 
And as she got to the story about the bag and the food, the rich woman's eyes lit up. Very good, she said. That night, the rich woman went to leave her house and the children said, Mama, where are you going? She said, none of your business. Stay in the house and keep the door locked. She headed out into the dark and into the cold. She made her way into the woods and soon the path was obscured by the dark and the branches and the leaves and she forged ahead looking for a light and soon she found it and with it the tent and with it the twelve men deep in conversation. And she stuck her head through the flap in the tent and she said, Am I welcome here? And they looked up and they said, Auntie, you're very welcome. We were just having a debate. Perhaps you can help answer a question for us. Oh, she said, I'm very good at questions. Go ahead. The three young men closest to her with the rosy cheeks said, We were wondering what the best month of the year is. What do you think of spring? Do you like March or April or May? And the rich woman said, Ugh, spring. I hate spring. Mud everywhere. You never know if it's going to rain or snow or if the sun is going to shine. It's disgusting. No matter what you wear, it gets covered in mud. I hate spring. The young men said, Indeed, do you? And what would you say of summer? said the golden-haired men. Oh, summer. The heat. The stench in the heat because everybody, every peasant is out working and sweating and all you can smell everywhere you go are human bodies. I hate summer. Indeed, said the golden-haired men. And what of autumn? Autumn! Oh, with autumn you get the sleet and you get the ice and you get the rain and you get the mulch and all of the all of the sidewalks and the pavements are slippy with leaves. It's 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 a horrible time of year, autumn. Hmm. And winter? Oh winter. Cold, miserable, dark, depressing. Hate winter. Hmm. We see, said the man. Well, she said, I've been travelling a long way and it's been so exhausting talking with you. Perhaps you could grant me a boon or a gift of some kind. And the twelve men looked at each other and they said, of course. And one reached behind and grabbed a bag and then he handed it to her and he said, now be careful. And she said, oh, he said, yes, when you go home, lock yourself in a room by yourself. Make sure your children are nowhere nearby. Open the bag and you'll get what you'll get. Good, she said, thank you. And she left. She ran all the way home. And when her children flung open the door, she said, go to bed. What are you waiting for? And she locked herself in her study. And she sat down, eyes gleaming. And she carefully opened the bag. And out from the bag slipped two large venomous snakes. They slipped and slithered all around her body. They opened up their great jaws and they bit and they bit and they bit until she was dead. And that, my friends, is the story of the 12 months. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. If you enjoyed the work of Elisa and Claire, find them on the internet. Tell them you heard their stories here on this podcast and you want to hear them tell more tales. Follow them, but don't stalk them. In all the usual places, reach out and connect with them. Find them performing live and see them work their magic in person. It's a very different experience. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at smbrooks or simonbrooksstoryteller.com and you can find Ms Harding at Rachel Ann Harding and Story Story Podcast on the same platforms. She's not on Twitter anymore. 
The scrambled brains behind the fairy tale sponsor belong to me. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was the mist that shrouded my house for most of the day. You can find my monthly podcast out there on iTunes and Stitcher and other places. Conversations with Storytellers. There are some really good interviews up there already and there are more to come. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me or Rachel Ann know the favourite story you have heard or a favourite story of yours from your childhood. Seriously, reach out to us. Who knows, maybe one of us or both of us will learn your favourite tale and share it here on Story Story Podcast for you. Woohoo! Maybe. Maybe. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities and advertise here, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'll be willing to go and write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website and join the mailing list. There's lots of hidden goodies to be shared with you. And if, no, when you tune in, next more stories will be waiting for you next week but until then live happily ever after and mary kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket and to this day anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea the fly and the moth Got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music.